you. Uh, this morning, we are kicking off our new series, which we are simply calling Back to the Table. This was actually originally our intention to be our kickoff series for the fall, and then with kind of restrictions and different things happening and trying to navigate all of that, uh, we decided to change things up and we went with our series simply called The Good Life. But for us as a church, we want to take some time to focus in on the communion table, why we do what we do every single Sunday, why this is an important part of who we are and what we are about as a church, as a community of people who want to become more like Jesus and to share his love with the world. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be diving in and looking at different aspects of what the communion table means for us, both as a community, how we are to look at, treat, respond to one another, but even more so what that calls us to and how that propels us out into the world. And so this morning, I want to zero in and focus on one aspect of the communion table. It's not the complete be-all, end-all of the communion table. You can never do that, even with a four-part series. But my hope is, is that as we dive in, as we talk about this, we reflect on it, that it's going to help us view this practice, this ritual, this thing that we center our lives around as a community. Uh, and it's going to fill it with new life and new purpose and new mission. Back in A.D. 304, there was mass persecution of the church all throughout the Roman Empire. And uh, there was a man, his name was Saturninus, and he was brought towards the proconsul. Essentially, he was being tried because he had gathered with a bunch of other Christians and shared communion together. The word that they would call it was the Eucharist. And so he's set in front of this Roman proconsul in, north, in a small town in North Africa. And essentially, this is what the proconsul said to him. This is what the eyewitnesses report. Here's the proconsul's words. He said, Did you, contrary to the orders of the emperors, arrange for these persons to hold an assembly? Now, at this particular time, it was illegal for Christians to gather together. They were seen as being rebelling, rebelling against the Roman Empire, and so they were not allowed to meet up. So he is saying, he's not asking this guy, are you a Christian? He's not asking him anything like that. He's asking, did you arrange for these people, this group of Christians, to gather together and hold an assembly, essentially a meeting place, a time together? And Saturninus, he replied, certainly, we celebrated the Eucharist. Why? asked the proconsul. And here is Saturninus's response. He simply says this, because the Eucharist cannot be abandoned. And as soon as he said this, the proconsul ordered him to be put to death immediately. He was put on the rack and tortured until he died. Then they brought in his son, a guy named Felix. And Felix was also a leader within the church. And this is what the proconsul said to him. He first he said, I'm not asking you if you are a Christian. You can hold your peace about that. But were you one of the assembly and do you possess any copies of the scriptures? And here's Felix's response. As if a Christian could exist without the Eucharist or the Eucharist be celebrated without a Christian. Don't you know that a Christian is constituted by the Eucharist and the Eucharist by a Christian? Neither avails without the other. We celebrated our assembly right gloriously. We always convene at the Eucharist for the reading of the Lord's scriptures. And then enraged by this confession, the proconsul ordered that Felix was to be beaten to death with clubs. 
All right, so not the most happy story to typically start off a Sunday morning with, but I think it's a fascinating one. Because for these two men, the charge was not simply, are you a Christian? They weren't being asked, do you, do you stand up for your faith? Do you? The question is, is, did you gather with other Christians? Did you take part in this sacred assembly? Did you take part in the sharing of the Eucharist? And both of them, their response is, well, duh, of course we did, because that's what Christians do. We need to gather together, and we need to take part in this meal, the Eucharist, together. And it got them killed. For them, this table, the, the gathering of the church, was something worth dying for. And so throughout this series, I want to look at that. Why is it that this was something that was so important to them, that gathering together, continuing to be together, was so incredibly important to them? If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to open it to Mark chapter 14. We're just going to spend a few minutes there, and then we're going to be spending the rest of our morning in a passage in 1 Corinthians 11. But uh, to kick things off, for those of you, maybe you're new to the church, maybe this whole thing is a little bit strange to you, and you're just kind of communion table, what? And that's fine. We are so thankful. We're glad. We're thrilled that you're here. Essentially, the communion table is this ritual, this thing that the church has gathered together doing for thousands and thousands of years. And it's not something that we made up and created. It was something that was given to us. It was handed down to us by Jesus. Uh, in this meal that is sometimes referred to as the Last Supper, Jesus gathered with his disciples. And here's what it says. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And so this is a meal that is packed with significance, with meaning, this was a meal that Christians would gather together and to share in. And in doing so, they would remember the death, the sacrifice of Jesus and the new life that they were discovering through him. And as also, as well as just remembering, this was also about them proclaiming the reign of God in their world, that they had committed their lives in service, in faith, to just surrendering themselves to God and saying, this is the world we want to live for. This is the world that we see saved and redeemed in Jesus, and this is worth everything. And so in their eating together, they were remembering, and in their eating together, they were proclaiming the world as it had been made through Jesus. The thing that I find so fascinating is that Jesus, in, in explaining, in, in helping his disciples understand his death and remember his death, he doesn't give them a big, long essay he doesn't give them a philosophical treatise or a theological, just massive doctrine. He doesn't just go and distill that to them. He gives them a meal. And he says, I want you to gather together and do this. Do this together. If you've got a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians. It's just a little bit over. Um, and uh, this is a passage, 1 Corinthians 11, and this is a church 
um, just kind of trying to get used to living out the way of Jesus in the city of Corinth, which is this incredibly pagan place. So it's a city where there's lots of wealth and prominence, but there's also all sorts of greed and lust and all sorts of just, just a very difficult place to be a Christian. And so if you ever are feeling like in your workplace, in your school, or wherever it is you find yourself, it's, sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus, and sometimes it's hard to kind of reflect what Jesus is about. I would highly recommend reading through Corinthians because you just see a community that's just trying to hold it together. And in this particular passage, Paul writes, the, the Paul the apostle, he's this guy who's going around, he's planting churches, he, he's had this radical encounter with Jesus that has turned his life upside down, and he speaks to this community And he sees the way that they're interacting each other, specifically around the communion table, as they share in this meal together. And he says, you guys are doing it wrong. Starting verse 17, chapter 11. In the following directives, this is Paul speaking, I have no praise for you, which is not how you want any letter, anything you ever want to see in a letter you get, right? For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God? By humiliating those who have nothing, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. Now, interesting thing that just, that I think is actually incredible, I just think it's exciting, is there's this idea that in many ways, the reason how we know that the early church actually took on this practice of communion, it wasn't just something that, that later people wrote and said, Jesus said and created. The thing that I love about it is that the reason we find out that the first Christians were practicing communion was because they were doing it wrong. They were making huge mistakes. And we have this incredible passage that leads us and guides us and shows us about what the communion meal is supposed to look like. And the reason that we have it is because they were doing it wrong. And, and I can't help but think just what an incredible uh, just example of that is just God working through his church throughout history, which is to say that over and over again, we as Christians, we get it wrong, and yet God often in his grace continues to work in profound ways, continues to work through us even in the midst of our mistakes. Well, here in this particular passage, there's a word that shows up twice. It's like Paul is trying to drive home the point. It shows up first in verse 18. We simply translate it as come together. Some translations might translate it as assembly. But it's this idea of gathering. It shows up again just a few verses later in verse 20. Let me read them to you. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And then verse 20, so then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. He's speaking to a community that was gathering together, that would share the Lord's Supper together. And he's saying, you guys are doing it wrong. Because even though you're gathering together in the same place, even though you're coming together, there are divisions 
There's a hierarchy that's holding you back from one another. Specifically, he begins to address a community where the class or the wealth of the various different individuals present within the church is causing division. What would happen is that the wealthier people, they would work later out or work earlier hours. They wouldn't have to work as long or as late into the evening. And so they would show up to celebrate the Eucharist together. And they would go and the table would be there and they would rush to it and begin to eat and consume. And then some of the poorer people within the community, the people working longer, harder hours would show up and all the food and the wine was gone. And they were being told they were second class citizens of God's family. And Paul speaks to this community and says, if there are these divisions, listen, you are called to come together, to gather together, to meet together, to, to remember what Christ has done, is to proclaim what Christ will do through this meal. But he says, when you gather together and there are these divisions, when you're coming with just this self-focus and not thinking about the rest of the community, you do so in a way where what you're actually doing is not the Lord's Supper at all. It is something else completely. In the 1950s, there was this invention. No one's exactly 100% sure who originally came up with the idea. But it was this perfect fusion of form and function. It was this brilliant, brilliant design. I'm simply referring to the TV tray table. For those of you who haven't seen one of these, Essentially what it is, is a, a little small table, usually it's rectangular, it sits about this high and you can sit on your couch or your sofa and you can watch TV and eat your food. It is perfect for the individual. You don't invite a bunch of people to come and sit at your TV tray with you. It's interesting actually, this TV tray, I was looking to see about picking one up or buying one for the sermon today, um, and the prices have actually shot up in them. They've like, there's kind of been this resurgence. I don't know if it's all the prestige TV or if it's COVID or whatever it is, but uh, suddenly these things that you could get at like Salvation Army or thrift stores for just a couple dollars, they're now like 50, 60, 70, 80 dollars. I was just laughing, even on like Facebook Marketplace, I contacted a person and I'm like, what, could, how much is this costing? And he's like, this much. I'm like, that much? Really? For one? Okay. Uh, no thanks. But, but I simply say this. There is this idea of the table. It is convenient. It's all about me. It's about what I want to have in front of me. And I don't need to think about anyone else at the table. I remember an experience my wife and I had uh, a number of years ago. My wife, Julie, and I, we had a weekend off. We went down to downtown Toronto. Went to, uh, we got a hotel room and uh, kids with grandparents. And uh, there was a restaurant that I really wanted to check out. Apparently, it was like popular for brunch. And so we went and uh, we, we had an amazing time. And on the Sunday morning, we went to church because I'm cool like that. I mean, I know how to show my wife a good time on my weekend away. Uh, and so we went to church, to a church I wanted to check out downtown. And then we went out for lunch or brunch lunch afterwards to this restaurant. And I had looked over the menu and I knew what it was I wanted to order. But I remember this experience of walking in to the restaurant and suddenly this feeling of like, oh, my stomach dropped because I looked and it was communal tables. Have you ever seen these restaurants where there's these big, long tables and you potentially might have to sit next to strangers? 
And just me, like the, the raging introvert within me was just like, oh no, this is not going to be good. And fortunately enough, it worked out all right. I was just praying, God, like don't let anyone else come. Just let us have our table all to ourselves. But, but the feeling I was welling up inside me, right, is that there's something about the table, sharing the table with someone else. It is inconvenient. Sometimes it makes us feel uncomfortable. It makes us feel awkward. And that's why the, the TV tray table is just so ideal, right? It's just me. And all I got to worry about is me. And it's about my convenience and my security and my comfort. And it's just, ah, oh, I don't have to deal with anyone else. I know there's like one or two of you who are just like ready to shout out amen just right there. And Paul is speaking to this community. Essentially, he's saying, hey, the communion table is not a TV tray table. I mean, it hadn't been invented yet, but he's getting there, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying you're, you're focused entirely on yourself. This is about you and your food, and you are not even thinking about all of the other people who you're around. There's a, a friend of ours, they have a little girl. Uh, actually, she's grown up a lot. This is about 10 years ago. And it was the time, uh, she was probably about four or five. She was often driving around with her mom in their car. And their mom would listen to like the, top, like, the pop radio, just whatever was popular. And this was a time when, uh, for those of you maybe who remember, there was a song by an artist named Bruno Mars, and the song was called Grenade. And so some of you are like already singing it in your head. I'm not going to sing it for you, but essentially the gist of the song was this. Uh, Bruno Mars is singing about this, this woman that he loves and how he would do anything for her. He would sacrifice himself for her. And there's a line about him like throwing himself in front of a train for her or, or about how he would fall on a grenade for her to protect her, to keep her safe, and ultimately how she doesn't feel the same way about him. And this little girl, four or five years old, is listening to this song and she goes, why would he throw himself in front of a train for me? I never asked him to do that. And the mom, in conversing with her daughter, suddenly started to realize that the way she was hearing the song was that Bruno Mars was singing directly, specifically to her. Which asked all sorts of other questions about what other songs that they had been listening to in the car. That, that the singers, that the artists are actually speaking directly to her. But I, I would actually argue sometimes we can make that same mistake as we read through the New Testament, specifically as we read through Paul's commands. And he's talking about the Lord's Supper, and we hear you, and we immediately individualize it. It's about me. And the communion meal is just about me and God, and that's it. And Paul's saying, no, 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 this is about something bigger than just you. Because yes, Jesus died on the cross for you. Yes, Jesus rose again and offers you eternal life as you place your trust and faith in him. But it's not just about you. Through the cross and the resurrection, Jesus has made us a part of his family, a part of his movement, a part of his mission in the world. And so often, we make Jesus and we make communion, we make the cross just simply about our individualism. And that's easy to do in our culture today because we live in a culture that everything is you, 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 or maybe the better way to say is me, 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 or I, 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 all right? I mean, we know iPods and everything else, and, and COVID has only made things worse. I actually remember listening to a stand-up routine uh, from a comedian. His name is Pete Holmes, and he begins it off by speaking to the audience. He says, thank you for being here tonight. And the audience goes, yeah, they clap or whatever. He says, no, seriously, thank you for being here tonight. He says, do you know how hard it is to leave your house these days? He says, do you know what you have at your house? Everything. 
And I can't help but think how true that often is. We have everything we need. We can get it delivered to our homes. We can live in this, with the illusion that our lives are totally self-enclosed and that we have everything we need. And yet Paul is inviting the church. He says, see, this is about more than just you. Know that the death and resurrection of Jesus is so much bigger than just you getting to go to heaven when you die. That it's about forming a community to live as a witness to the creation as it was intended to be through Jesus. And in this age of COVID and hyper-individualism, this is something that we need to fight against. I just fight against, I just simply call it, we need to rage against the TV tray table. Because this idea, this mentality of it's all about me can so easily creep into our own lives. I mean, even hearing about different churches in the United States that at different times, this is pre-COVID, we're offering drive-through communion. You know, it's like, like you're going to Wendy's or to the bank machine or go to church and get communion, right? Like you just go through, they have it there and you go and you drive. And we realize that that's just, that is so against the idea of what Jesus wants for his church, wants for us. Because the invitation, the the emphasis that Paul is trying to get at here is when you come together, when you assemble, realize that you need to gather together. There is a face-to-face element that is so incredibly important. And we realize this is a weird in-between kind of time. It's awkward. And for those of you who are at home, who are watching online through our stream, we love you. And we realize that some of you, you just can't be here yet. And we miss you. And we know that it's just not safe for you to be here. And so take your time. We don't want to rush anyone back. We want to be smart. We want to be wise. We want to make sure that we are ultimately trying to be as safe as we think we can, as long as it doesn't hinder the mission of Jesus. But, But for some of us, for some of you, You're at home, and the reason why you're not coming is just because it's just so much easier. (laughs) Because getting out of bed and coming and seeing other people is so inconvenient. And the challenge we have for you is just come back. And I'm not saying this to guilt you, but I am saying this because you need us and we need you. We can't be the body of Christ on our own. And the myth, the lie of this kind of small cross, small resurrection, small Jesus, and this TV tray table that he offers us is that, you know, God has something so much better for all of us, and we call it his church. And so as we gather together around the bigger table, it's not about it being convenient And it's not about it being efficient, but it's about being the people that God has created us to be. And here's the amazing thing, is the life that we discover as we open ourselves up to one another. Now, I realize the appeal of the TV tray table, right? Uh, Because for some of us, whether it was COVID or whether it was something else, we just kind of drifted away from the church and we're like, oh, I can go, I can go online, I can get my teaching, I can get the stuff that I need, I can go and listen to some songs, uh, I can maybe even pray with some other people through Zoom, I don't even need to leave my house. But, but the challenge that I would put to that is that you are missing out and we are missing out and we need you to be a part of this. This morning, 
we're going to take communion together. Um, and hopefully you picked up one of these. Uh, and this morning we're going to do it a little bit differently than we have in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to continue to stay in our spots. We're going to continue to use these. Um, but we're going to take our time with it. Uh, because we realize that we as a church, just with these individually wrapped, packaged communion cups and wafers, that it that, that is like the ultimate in like TV tray <laughs> Christianity, right? I mean, we're, we're fighting against form, and we realize that this is our best option right now, um, that this is in many ways just like kind of a consolation until we're able to actually return to sharing the bread together and sharing the, the cup together. Uh, this right now is what we have to do. But there's this interesting thing that I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed if you've been back for a number of weeks, when we share communion together, and there's this fun, awkward silence And in the midst of that silence, as we're sharing in communion together, you hear the rustling of the cups, the ripping off the lid, the putting the the wafer in your mouth. And so what I want to do is I don't want to rush through that. I want us to sit in silence, and then together we're all going to participate in this. And communion is supposed to be a feast for the mouth, uh, for the taste. Um, I don't know if these are the best example of that. Uh, actually, sometimes one of my favorite moments is when we share these together and just watching the people's faces as they drink it, because um, you're just going, is it supposed to taste like that? It's like, yes, it is, it is. That's, a, that's why it doesn't go bad. Um, <laughs> but as we share in this together, we are reminded that we don't come to the communion table alone. For many of us, we are trying to live this Christian mission on our own. And maybe that's because we've just felt isolated with with COVID. Uh, Maybe it's because you went through a season of just incredible vulnerability. You're going through something tough and difficult in your life. You were part of the church, and there were these people, and you opened up with them as maybe it felt like your life was falling apart, a family member, or maybe it's loss, or your your family is falling apart, issues with your kids, or issue with your parents, or, or with a spouse, or whatever it might be. And you were incredibly open and vulnerable, and then it was like, oh, shoot, They've seen me. They know me. And so there's this, this temptation just retreat and pull away. I don't want them. They, they saw this side of me. I don't want them to know that that's a part of it. I just need to retreat. Whatever it is that's causing you to find yourself be divided from the rest of the church, this is a season, and actually in this time together, I invite you to take some time to quietly and think about where are divisions happening between me and the body of Christ. And we're not just simply divisions happening between you and Jesus. We're talking about divisions between you and other members of his body, of it, the church. Maybe for you, it's, uh, it's not about that vulnerability stuff, or it's not about just like the convenience of COVID introvertedness or whatever. Uh, maybe for you, it's just about anger, frustration. Maybe it's because there are people who you just look at and you go, oh, they're the worst. I can't believe they vote that way. I can't believe they post that article on their social media. Maybe it's you look at them or their kids or their family and you think, oh, they're the worst parents. Or, or, or maybe for you, you are looking at other people and you're just thinking this radical insecurity in your own life. And you see them, it looks like they have it all together. She looks like just this super Christian, super mom, super everything, and you just feel incredibly insecure. 
regardless of wherever those divisions are coming from, my invitation is for you to sit in the silence, maybe even look around at the people who are around you and realize there are to be no divisions in the body of Christ. We're going to rage against the TV tray table Christianity because Jesus offers us a bigger and so much better table. Let's take a few seconds to be quiet, and then I'm going to continue to read this passage from 1 Corinthians. Um, and in that time of silence, I invite you to just reflect on where, where are the divisions in your life? Where, where are the blockers between you and the rest of God's community? For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So as we share in this together. I invite you to sit silently, and we're going to open up the top part first. Listen. You can look around. Take the wafer, hold it in your hands, and we're all going to break it together and then put it into our mouths, and then we'll move on to the cup after that. Let's do that together. body given, take and eat. Now let's take the cup. The blood poured out for you and for me. Let's open it together. And let's drink together. body and the blood of Christ given for you. May you know that you do not eat alone, but as part of the larger body of Christ. Amen. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to continue to sing together. <clears throat>